welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched Last Christmas. Guys, this is the second time we're doing this. Guys, we had a great episode for you. We did not. We did not record it. Do you know what I was thinking last night as I was falling asleep after speaking to you for over an hour and then realizing we didn't record it? How many great conversations have you and I had where we're, we sound smart and funny, but we, like in our lifetime, in our 30, almost 34 years of being sisters, we probably weren't having a lot of intelligent, funny conversations in the first few, but how many conversations have we had without recording it that we'll just never know about? I know. One Actually, of them was yesterday. That early on in mine and Jeff's relationship, like when we would like drive between Chicago and Louisville or stuff, like he loved when I would call you because he would just like listen to us talk about pop culture and he felt like he was listening to a podcast. And then we started a podcast. Yeah. Well, well look at that. If only we'd recorded those. Exactly. This is what I'm saying. Um, we are recording this twice because we did record an entire episode start top to bottom we thanked you guys we told you where you could find us we did it all we said bye in the way we usually say bye yeah and then i went to stop the recording yeah it was it was a a rough moment guys it was it was rough um but but here we are the next morning we're bright-eyed we got makeup on we're drinking coffee I've decided to just lean into the Christmas season because it's fucking snowing in Chicago. So I've got I'm my peppermint a... mocha creamer in. Me too. Oh, twins. Do I told Allison. I made the PA pick up peppermint mocha creamer for the off. We become what we fear that's the most. That's just. She smart. was going to the grocery store. I didn't make her do a special run. Just smart. Since your boyfriend has now realized that he has to have specialized creamers for you, has he gotten a mocha peppermint for you? No, he's still on pumpkin, but I think that's a two-fold reason why. One, we're leaving town in two days, so I think, like, waiting. And two, he doesn't believe in celebrating Christmas before, after Thanksgiving, which I technically don't believe in either, but they had one bottle left of Target at Peppermint Mocha Creamer, so I bought it. Yeah, I am generally a Thanksgiving or a Christmas after Thanksgiving person, but I married a Christmas before Thanksgiving person, and so it slowly started to seep in to my life and listen the world's on fire and it's cold and it's snowing and so i'm watching the christmas movies i'm drinking the christmas drinks i'm reading the christmas books really christmas smut if we're being specific um is it like santa and mrs claus fucking will you explain to us what the christmas like what is it just like smut at christmas time is it elf porn like what genre of christmas smut are we in okay first of all you say elf porn like that's not a thing everybody's reading right now um is this I a guess side of TikTok I'm not yet on? I guess it's Right now theories. I'm just on Taylor Swift. Everyone's mad at Taylor Swift TikTok. Isn't it? No, that's what A Court of Thorn and Roses is. I guess they're maybe they're not elves. They're fairies. Oh, they're I went into both yours and Melanie. Shout out Melanie Men's. I went into yours and Melanie's Goodreads list yesterday because I was like, shoot, I have enough books to get me to 29 books this year. And my book goal is 30. So I need one more. And I went into, and I was just sort of like scrolling past. She has like every court of thorn and roses and you have a bunch of other series about weird smut. And I was like, just get me to a book about a depressed lady. Come on, guys. My books are, um, uh, there's, I mean, they're about people having sex. So, I mean, 
not like elfin creatures. And when I say Christmas mutt, I mean like romance stories that take place at Christmas usually. Amazing. Not Holiday. like no, that's Santa a Santa and Mrs. Claus fan fiction. Um, There's a character named Santa in the movie we watched this week. True. I can't believe Last Christmas is the first Christmas movie I watched this year. That's all I have to say. A real slap in the face to, I think, I honestly think Love Actually might usually be the first Christmas movie I watched in a year, just because it's like the easiest. It eases you right in. I watched Last Christmas, which stars, we didn't do this because we started complaining about how we had to record twice, which came out in 2019, holds a generous 46% on Rotten Tomatoes was directed and here's where it gets dicey because I do think the following people I'm about to name deserve more respect. I again have to look up the writers. This movie was directed by Paul Feig, a man we've gone on the record being fans of and has made good movies and was written by Emma Thompson, a woman I would die for and a writer I very much admire, Greg Wise and Bryony Kimmings. It stars Amelia Clark, Henry Golding, Michelle Yeoh, Emma Thompson, other people but I those guess. are the ones with famous names right yeah carrie you'd never seen last christmas before what were your hopes i didn't have many um because i knew that this movie first of all i knew the the twist because we should say at the top, we there. this is going to be a spoilerful episode. We are not holding back. If you do not know the twist of Last Christmas and you want, all, to go into, want to go into the movie fresh, then go watch the movie come back. Um, So I knew – I figured out the twist from the trailer whenever this movie came out. And then when the movie did come out, I read the Wikipedia plot summary to confirm that I had figured out the twist. And then I just was like never interested in seeing the movie. Here's my question, because I do feel like the twist was very apparent. I saw this movie like two years ago. I knew the twist going in. I felt like this twist was very apparent from both the trailer and the lyric last Christmas I gave you my heart. Um. So when I was watching it again this time, I was like, they don't do a good job of hiding the ball. This doesn't have a, there's this whole reveal scene where we're supposed to figure out all these scenes that have gone on. And then he wasn't actually there because the twist is he's been dead the whole time. And she is a heart recipient. She, she received his heart. He was a organ donor and she was the recipient of his heart and whatever. I really want to know if I had it spoiled for myself or if it's that easy to figure out. Like, I want somebody, I want one of you lovely people who watched this movie and didn't know the twist to tell me when you figured it out. Because I I just kept thinking, like, it's so obvious. Mm-hmm. It's so obvious. And I wanted it to be, like, I don't need, like, a Sixth Sense-esque moment. But a little bit, I want, like, if this is going to be what your movie hinges on, I need it to be a little, a little less apparent that that's exactly what's happening. I also need the reveal to make like a modicum of sense and it did not. Yeah, she figured it out in a way that I was like, that's never where, like with the facts you had, my brain would not jump to, he's been dead the whole time and I have his heart. Like you're, so she basically, at the end of the movie, at one point in the movie, 
the story is Amelia Clark is kind of is a mess of a woman. She has had an illness that no one's saying what it was. Um, she, but she won't go home to her parents because her parents are overbearing and the way she describes them abusive and then we meet them and they're like, they're just a little overbearing. Um, you're being a little dramatic here, Amelia Clark. Um, so she's like sleeping on friends' couches and sleeping with strangers to have beds for the night. And she's selfish. Like the friends who take her in, she's treating a little bit like shit. Um, and, and she's not taking care of herself. We, she, we know she has this undisclosed illness and we see her like drinking really heavily and like, eating street meat which i love street meat as much as anyone but it's probably not mostly what you should be eating after you've had a heart transplant <laughs> fuck now i want street meat um remember in nashville when we drunkenly got street meat that was among what maybe one of my favorite meals we had last year yeah Oof, it was good um Ugh. anyway i digress and so she meets this man she works at a one of those christmas stores that's around 365 days a year her boss is michelle yo who she calls santa and it's kind of cute and probably the best part of the movie is michelle yo um that's a universal statement always (laughs) (laughs) um and then she like meets this guy henry golding by happenstance but and they like start a flirtation but he's hard he doesn't have a phone so he's hard to get a hold of and he disappears for days at a time but when he's around they have a flirtatious relationship and then at one point he takes her to his apartment which is like very neat um and uh like he lets her sleep there they have a kiss whatever she goes back to the apartment looking for him a few days later and there's a real estate agent there and he's selling it and he says something about like mr whatever henry golding's last character name is webster Um, Thank you. I kept wanting to say, because his first name is Tom, and I wanted to say Wamsgams. <laughs> Would this movie be better if Tom Wamsgams from Succession was this kid? Always. Always. Um, Except Henry Golding's hot. We'll get there. Henry Golding's hot. Although, Tom Wamsgams is Mr. Darcy. Let's not shit on his hotness when he's not being Tom Wamsgams. Fair. Um, sorry. Uh, where we're like, oh, so there's a real estate agent there and he's like, Mr. Webster died, whatever. And she like falls to the floor and understands A, that the person she's been seeing it like is dead and B, that she has his heart, which is like, I feel like your first thought would be like, oh, this must have been his father or brother or uncle's apartment and that guy died. Like your first thought would not be, I've been hanging out with a dead man. Like, and I have his heart. And like- I have his heart. Like there's two leaps she makes where you're like, I need, I need some, I need a bridge here, Amelia Clark. I need a dragon to have explained this to you. This this movie should be called "I Need a Bridge, Amelia Clark" because <laughs> there's so there's so many breadcrumbs in this movie where you're like, oh, this is going to be an interesting storyline, or like, oh, this is going to develop this relationship interestingly, and then it doesn't, and then it goes nowhere, and you're just like, uh, uh, wait. I thought that was going to be a thing. And then it's not like how 10 minutes into this movie, Rob Delaney and Peter Serafinowicz show up and I'm like, Oh, so she's going to get the part. And like, these are going to be two characters on her journey. And like, I love both these actors. This will be great. And then we never fucking see them again. Side note. I do want to talk about the number of comedians in this movie. We never see again because it bothers me. But speaking of Rob Delaney, when I was going through your Goodreads list or I was going through like Goodreads recommended books to me, one of them was Rob Delaney. Correct. One of them was Rob Delaney's memoir about losing his child. And I was like, under I'm sure it's beautiful. Under no circumstances am I reading that. Love yeah. Rob Delaney. 
I, at some point we're doing catastrophe for the Patreon. It's a perfect show. I absolutely am not reading about child loss. Thank you so much, Rob Delaney. I hope you and your family are healing together. I have nothing but love and respect and mourning for you all. I will not be engaging in that. Thank you. Anyway. Jeff, Jeff the other day was was like making his Christmas list. And I think he was like looking at a, I think he might've been doing the same thing you were doing, like looking at a list of like books that he wanted to, you know, trying to find stuff to put on his Christmas list or like looking at a gift guide or something. And that was on there. And Jeff was like, absolutely not. Like there's the no is, world, like it... particularly because like our children are that age. And I and like, no. Jeff, Jeff is like, no. I don't have three-year-old children. I guess I have three-year-old nephews under no circumstances. Yeah. I'm sure it is gorgeously written. I'm sure. And I'm sure it's even I'll funny. never find out. Right. No. Ooh, but speaking of gorgeously written and people dying, maybe what I am going to read, maybe my 30th book of the year is What Remains, Carol Radziwill's memoir about her husband dying. Actually, 100%, that's it. 100%, <laughs> I'm reading What Remains. Beautiful. I'm glad we have this to go. <laughs> <laughs> far enough removed from that and he was an adult so it's gonna be fine whereas like 50 years from now maybe i'll be like maybe now i'll pick up rob delaney's book and the answer will still be no also like like again you know carol radzowell very difficult journey i am very empathetic of that journey do i think that memoir is probably banana pants yes yes oh i think her memoir is probably very good i think the book she wrote after becoming a housewife. I think Carol Radziwill had a slow decline into Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Like I think when she wrote What Remains, one, I think she wrote that one on her own. Two, I think like she was still like a mostly mentally healthy young woman who had not yet been taken over by grief and the housewife's machine. Sure. And I think everything she, I think then she just like got frankled, got Cohen'd, if you will. True. Anyway, I'll read what remains and report back. Report back. Um. Anyway, Rob Delaney and say that other guy's name. I I could be saying it wrong. I think it's Peter Serafinowitz. He's the guy from Spy, a great Paul Feig movie. I feel like I'm gonna have to keep saying how many good movies Paul Feig is making while we shit on this awful one. Peter Serafinowitz in Spy is like the French FBI agent who's her contact and he keeps being like super skeevy and creepy to Melissa McCarthy and then later turns like is British because I think that actor is British and it's like I'm so sorry that was so inappropriate but it was like part of my ruse and then like flips back and forth and you never really know if he's like polite kind British guy or creepy French guy it's very funny it's a very funny bit that comedian's very funny yeah he and Rob Delaney are two of many like British comedians that just show up with no purpose. And there's a level. And like, don't even get to really be funny. Like the No, it's like to inject humor into the script, but it doesn't really, it's like, why not just like write, it's Emma Thompson wrote this. Why not just have like a funny fucking script? And the script, I will say like, the thing I liked most about this movie was the dialogue. I thought like the, the story the premise is interesting. The execution is very flawed. The dialogue is quite good, particularly like in the more bantery moments. I think probably some of the best chemistry in this movie is between Amelia Clark and Michelle Yeoh. 
their interactions, their dialogue are fantastic. They're my favorite parts. I even think Henry Golding and Amelia Clark banter well. We'll we will t- we t- we'll talk about their romantic chemistry because it's non-existent. Um, but her and Emma Thompson really just they should have stuck a camera on Emma Thompson and Michelle Yeoh and been like two legendary excellent yeah, actors. So like, Let them speak the, to each other. The dialogue is good, but it's not like a joke movie and even in the moments where you have these like really random cameos from comedians there it's not it's not joke heavy funny right the other thing is and i say this with nothing but love and respect to paul feig is that a lot of times his casting feels pandery like even this movie and henry golding is deeply hot and michelle yo is one of the greatest of all time but like this it was like oh you watch this movie and you're like oh this movie came out the year after Crazy Rich Asians and Game of Thrones was big and that's why half the cast that's why it's yeah. Amelia Clark and half the cast of Crazy Rich Asians it's like he was just like what's hot right now and put those people in a movie and that feels like that with comedians because like at one point one of the old hosts from Great British Bake Off is there and you're like I, are you just trying to get eyes on this movie by being like oh people like this, these other things they did which is like a flawed, and I don't know if that was Paul Feig or casting or what, but it's such a flawed, like pandery casting thing because nobody really knew who Henry Golding was, at least in America. I guess he's like an English star, but nobody knew who he was before Crazy Rich Asians. And the reason that did well is because that movie was really good and people loved that movie and he was well cast for that role. Like Michelle Yeoh has been acting for decades and is a... uh, superstar in asia and the reason like she finally hit in america is because they put her in crazy rich asians which was a really good movie that she was really good at like you can't just put big celebrities in shitty movies and expect that to mean your movie's gonna make a lot of money like why instead aren't we just making good movies and casting it correctly and then like having that blow up for that reason it's just it just feels pandery and it takes me out of the movie to be like oh it's that guy from that thing right especially when they're not like if rob delaney was given a role i'd be like this is great i really like rob delaney um fun but it just was sort of like oh he's on a tv show people like let's throw him in there like okay and i actually like overall i i feel like everyone in this movie was well cast like i I really, I think this is like being funny, quirky rom com heroine. I feel like is maybe Amelia Clark's sweet spot, and we haven't really given her an opportunity to do it well yet. I mean, I thought she was good in this, but like this, she gets lost in this kind of like bizarre, crappy movie. Um, I didn't true. I don't think she was necessarily well cast as Daenerys. I mean, I. I she certainly got done dirty by the show and by the writing toward the end, but um, she was never like my favorite casting in that. I think this is like where you she want, shines. I'll give you a dissertation on why you are correct. And she was terrible casting for Daenerys. Um, But I think that like, this is kind of where she shines and like, she hasn't, yeah. you know, like so far we've like made her, you know, like she's done like, you know ableist trash and this like me before you and let's not blame her for the ableist trash no i'm not blaming her for the ableist trash i'm i mean we're talking about me before you the movie where she like falls in love with her wheelchair bound 
like a rich wheelchair bound man. And then he's like, I want to die because there's no point of living if you're disabled. Right. Um, Ouch. Uh, really? Nor is that really like a rom-com. I want to see her in like, I want to see her in her like runaway bride era. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I want that for her. That's what I want. Or I her, like, I, wonder... I want her in a Richard Curtis. Oh, okay. I was thinking, because you said Runaway Bride, I was thinking Richard Gere, and I was like, they're not age-appropriate. I don't want to see them together. Yes, I want to see her in a Richard Curtis rom-com. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, You want to you want to see her as Lily James in Yesterday. Except yeah. Not because Lily James forever. Yes. Uh, or, like, her Notting Hill. You know what I mean? Like, I want her in, like, a classic, you know, early aughts, rom-com where she gets to be quirky and fun and some hot guy falls all over her and i want fireworks chemistry because i did not get that here their chemistry in this is very bad and that's part of it it's sort of like the entire movie it's like are we are they together are they dating because it, it sort of seems like he's just there to guide her to teach her to be nice to his heart which like but, like, is he just her guardian angel? Are they friends? Are we supposed to want them to have sex? Because at no point did I want them. At one point, they kiss, and it's very chaste, and it's sort of like, Ooh. I made the great joke yesterday when we didn't record this episode that it, I, there was more chemistry watching her make out with her nephew, Jon Snow. <laughs> right. Than and this. it's almost like, I, it's almost like if we put the romance aside and just let this be a friendship, and just let it be like this guardian angel like it might have worked a little better because i do think they had good chemistry like i liked Friendship watching chemistry. them on screen together i did not get any romantic chemistry between them and Which so is tough when two people are so hot right right yeah they're both so hot um and they're both i mean they're both enormously charming and appealing um but until his like last line, I was like, "Oh, so you are in love with her?" That was not clear to me, and it's a great the line. Li- it's a great line. The last line is good. What's the- tell us the last line, Carrie? So he says to her, "Like, take care of my heart," um, and she says, "I will." And then he says, "It was going to be yours one way or the other." In his like British Henry Golding like swooniness yeah and and it's like i really wish i'd seen the movie that earned that line right (laughs) like i didn't know that's what i had been watching but i guess right right like i'm happy for you henry golding that you fell like that was not clear to me that you were in love with this woman but congratulations no and there's like so the like subplot of this movie is he said he volunteers at a homeless shelter so she goes in there like looking for him and then um, oh my God, Kira, you said let's grow and do the thing where we uh, announce our socials at the beginning of the episode. We fully didn't do it. We are so bad at this. Like, I don't think that we are meant to do this episode because we keep fucking it up. It, are we recording? Okay. Um, Wait, the, right the, let's pause. Tell people. Okay, so we feel like we always leave our like our promo stuff to the end and we should put it at the front of the episode and we literally as we were starting i was like let's do our promo stuff at the top and then we completely missed it so allison where can people find us and support us 
You can find it. This is not the end of the episode. Don't turn it off. You can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod on TikTok at hold up podcast and our Patreon uh, where you can get bonus episodes. We're getting real Christmassy. We're going to do Lindsay Lohan's Christmas episode. There's a Ticket to Paradise episode out now. We have fun on the Patreon. We get drunker when we do those episodes and we always, always remember to hit record. Um, so go find us in those places and support us and we love you all so much. Anyway, what was I saying? about this movie the homeless she starts volunteering at the homeless shelter she starts volunteering at this homeless we were talking about their chemistry she starts volunteering at this homeless shelter and she also is like wants to be a singer um she's a she's a aspiring singer and so she's puts together this like christmas show and it's very it's actually very sweet she put or all the unhoused people perform and she makes friends with the other like volunteers and people who work at the homeless shelter one of whom is like a cute like hipstery guy who's clearly very into her and they and I was like okay so like because Henry we know Henry Golding is dead like this is the guy she's gonna end up with and then that just sort of like drops like it's just like never mentioned again and I'm like but I wanted her once she became a better person and started taking care of herself to end up with that cute guy again this movie should be called I need a bridge Amelia Clark because we keep having like these breadcrumbs of storylines. It's the same with like this whole storyline around her relationship with her parents. So the backstory with her family is that they had they're Yugoslavian and they had to s- escape Yugoslavia like during the um like Serbo Croatian War or whatever. I sound like an idiot, I know. Um and they live in England and her mother is like a very anxious person. She has had a sick child you know she's been the parent of a sick child um her child you has would be had too a, if you were a refu- or refugee who had a sick child exactly like there's a lot of trauma there which means she's like very overbearing which means that like amelia clark as an adult like doesn't want to be around her mother the way she describes it though is like her mother has munchausen's by proxy that's that's what ha- is happening here like once you meet the mom and you see their interactions that's not what's happening she's an anxious person who's like suffering from her own trauma and has never dealt with any of it and amelia clark has her own trauma because she's you know been a child you know a sick she's had this illness since she was a child and then had to have a heart transplant um and like there's a very there's the un, the kernels the seeds of a very interesting story there because then there's also this whole thing about how like Brexit makes the mother the Emma Thompson character like very anxious because it's triggering her to feel like like this is the beginning of a situation where people are going to be pushed out of the country again and they're going to be forced to leave and they're going to be refugees again and well and she says like they hate us they don't want us here which is true of like Brexit is about keeping british people in britain and forcing out right immigrants like it's an understandable anxiety but it's never developed and like the relationship between amelia clark and emma thompson is never developed and then the reconciliation is so brief and so weird that it's like you blink and you miss it and then it just is and then like i believe after that she outs her sister yeah yeah it's just so and like we were talking yesterday in like a beautiful conversation that's lost forever about like how there's an interesting story there about being a sick being a sick adult with a parent 
or an adult with a chronic illness with a parent and like the feeling of your body betraying you and like having to set boundaries. And I, as like, I, like I went through this with our mother when your child gets sick, but they are old enough to take care of themselves. There is an instinct, I think, to still sort of want to like be attached and to understand everything. And as a sick adult, you have to sort of set a boundary and say like, this is my body. a lot of it feels like I've lost control of it. So I'm going to retain control in this way. I understand you are worried, but here are the boundaries I'm setting. Now, I have never described our mother of having Munchausen's by proxy. She just had parental anxiety that we had to have a boundary conversation about. And that feels like a lot of what's happening here is just sort of like, no, you just, you, you, you described this woman as like abusive and what she is is just, And maybe it's supposed to be a comment on like Amelia Clark's own immaturity, but I think also we're just describing what we want the mother to be and not showing it. Like we're, Mm -hmm. the words aren't matching the story. We're describing a really awful mother and then showing just like a complicated woman instead of like just showing us that. I don't know. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I also think like again there like starts to be this this story in some of her conversations with Henry Golding like the kernels of this journey about sort of like your if your identity if a lot of your identity has been wrapped up in being somebody who is chronically ill seriously chronically ill and or in her mother's case like the parent of a child that is seriously chronically ill when that gets resolved like when she gets the heart transplant and is healthy then who are you? Like, what is your identity? But again, we never, and that's a very interesting story. It's a, it's an interesting basis for like a discovery, a love story, uh, whatever this is, but it never quite gets flushed out to the point where there's, it feels resolved or it's a satisfying story. Because we're too busy having like two random police officers we've given funny lines to in hopes that they'll make this movie funny. Right. There's just like two cops in this movie. And they're the only cops seemingly in London. And they like show up and make jokes. One of them is like, we can't donate money to her raising money for homeless people because it's against the law. And the other one's like, sure we can. And I'm like, I, what? I don't understand your purpose. Anyway. Yeah. It's just everything is underdeveloped we're trying to develop too many things we're trying to say too much we're trying to say something about chronic illness we're trying to say something about brexit we're trying to say something about it, it we're just like we're we're going down too many threads and and all the while completely being completely obvious about the twist that one of our romantic leads has been dead the whole time yeah i mean the other thing that i wonder about because there's it's clear there were a lot of reshoots because it's some that various points throughout the movie Amelia Clark is has on this absolutely heinous wig. Um, her hair gets so much poofier and then it goes back to normal and it gets poofy wig and then goes back to normal. Right, and we're flipping back and forth, so we clearly reshot and be, so because of that and because of the writing, there being three different people with like writing credits. I mean, maybe Emma Thompson wrote this with two other people, but I doubt it. One of them I, is like story by, and one of them is like screenplay by. So. Like Emma Thompson's on both, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't like. It, I just maybe there was some firing and hiring, right? I just wonder like how much of this movie got like studioed to hell and then reshot to hell and then like there were just too many cooks in the kitchen and 
we started like taking things out and putting things in and then didn't really end up with a coherent story at the end. Yeah. Yeah, There, we feel like we lost some threads and then there was an attempt to edit it together into a movie and it didn't work. And somebody was like, well, if we put enough Christmas lights and play last Christmas enough, like nobody will notice. Over and over again. I never need to hear last Christmas again. If we call Michelle Yeoh Santa, people won't. Michelle Yeoh was the best part of this movie. Every movie always. Um, there's a moment where Emily Clark learns that her name is not actually Santa. And she's like, you stupid girl. I run a Christmas shop. Like, of course, my name isn't actually Santa. Right. Um, I think the joke being that she has like a hard to pronounce complicated Chinese name. And so she just made it easier by calling herself Santa. But then she falls in love. There's a cute little like C plot where she falls in love with like a patron of the store who has a hard to pronounce like German or Slavic name. It's unimportant because he barely has lines. Um, and so she just calls him boy. <laughs> it's really funny. And they have a lovely little romantic relationship and great chemistry. <laughs> yeah. I was like, can we watch that movie instead? Um, yeah, she like giggles like a schoolgirl when he's mentioned. Yeah. It's adorable. Um, I don't remember if I've said this in, in this iteration of us discussing this movie or if I said it last night. But I do think that like the best pairing the best chemistry in this movie was Michelle Yeoh and Amelia Clark. I really did enjoy their scenes together. I thought that they were really fun to watch. I thought their relationship was fun and interesting. Um, Michelle Yeoh should win an Oscar so, this year. So, I mean, there, there are there are things about this movie that worked. Like, there are things about this movie that were enjoyable, but it it did not come together it didn't no. didn't coalesce the ingredients didn't coalesce into a to a cohesive dish if you will there is a good movie montage set to freedom by george michael because again every song in this movie is george michael yeah which and, uh, you know like freedom is a great song to do a movie montage to it's like her helping out with the homeless shelter play and her like get, it's like her getting her life together montage yeah it's great there was so much wham in george michael like it just I think he's like credited with like like movie score by like music by George Michael like that I think was the point but again like and there is like a little moment at the beginning where she like says she loves George Michael right but it's but like that feels very subtle it's like if we're gonna be hitting us over the head with George Michael I want like I want to know why so like let's make it clearer that like he's her idol he's like her musical idol but instead we're just like playing last Christmas a lot a lot and every like every like toy scary. in the christmas store that plays music is last christmas like because really we want to make sure we know that last christmas he gave her his heart right. he gave no he didn't he was a bike messenger who was hit by a truck and died because he gave and that he like said he'd be a donor but still Wait, was he a bike messenger was that part of the story because i missed that <sighs> he was a bike messenger i mean i know he was on a bike but i didn't know he was like no he delivering. tells you he's a bike messenger Okay. I believe you. I just missed anyway, it. It's a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have real high expectations for this movie. I honestly this movie was better than I expected. It was better than I expected. Well, it wasn't good. Yeah, like the dialogue is very good because Emma Thompson is an Academy Award winning or nominated writer. She's very good at writing dialogue. Yeah. But we didn't make a good movie out of it. I think this maybe was like at one point a good script that we didn't make a good movie out of. Correct. Yeah. And listen, I, I you know, I like all the people in this movie. 
Henry Golding is fucking hot as hell. Henry Golding is so attractive. I Like I said, I want Amelia Clark to get her rom-com moment because I do think that that's where her sweet spot is. And we haven't let her have it yet. So somebody could do that. Somebody write up. Maybe she gets one more try. And then we're like, it's just not. It's just not for us. Like, if you could just. um, This wasn't it. Didn't do it for me. I did. Christmas movie I watched. It doesn't count, though, because my Christmas decorations aren't up. So I didn't like looking at my Christmas tree. I have decided that I'm going to start watching the Christmas movies. I started. I told you, I think, before we started recording that while I was waiting for my one of my meetings to start this morning, I was folding some laundry and turned on the new Freddie Prince Jr. Netflix rom-com. I'm only like 10 minutes in, but it's highly it seems highly enjoyable. I mean, 16-year-old Carrie thought she was going to marry Freddie Prince Jr., so I feel obligated to watch. Um, At some point... It's basically... Oh. We started talking about the movie last night when we recorded this beautifully and it didn't record. Um, we were talking about the movie where Freddie Prinze Jr. Uh, drinks shampoo to kill himself because I, he doesn't end up killing himself. Because I thought that was down to you, a different movie about a heart transplant. No, you're thinking of Return to Me, which, yes. You we just you... talked about you loving Freddie Prinze Jr.? If you want, that's what I, last night, my conclusion was, if you want a heart transplant rom-com, just watch to Return to Me. And then and I then decided. we decided we're watching it in January for yes, this podcast. Right. We got to get through all the Christmas and then we're watching Return to Me because, you know, at least by my memory, it's a gem of a movie. I was going to say, when was the last time you saw it, though? It's been a while. A while. So it could be bad. Could be, it could be awful. Who knows? But you because know what? It's got has shades of. It's got on a hunt. Oh, then fuck it, it's gonna be great. Um, I just watched yeah. an entire very dark television series because David Allen Greer showed up like twice, and I was like, "Well, I have to keep watching." It's David Allen Greer. Right. I have to keep watching Donald Gleason have Steve Carell in a basement because every now and then Steve Carell hallucinates his own dead therapist, David Allen Greer, and that's a combo I like. Love it. Love it. Also, you know what's a bummer, though, about that type of show and David Allen Greer and Steve Grell working together? I'm like, I need the two of you to be, like, fun, like no jokes between you guys? Right. Not a, not a joke right. to be found? Oh, Mark Ruffalo, you were going to say that this has oh. shades of Just Like Heaven. So this movie has shades of Just Like Heaven, which is a movie I loved as a teenager and then rewatched as an adult. And I was like, oof, this isn't. This isn't as good as I remember it being. And I'm worried that's going to happen to you with this. We should I mean, also it's... watch Just Like Heaven at some point. This movie is like a hybrid of Return to Me, Just Like Heaven, but make it Christmas and add some wham. That's what this movie is. Yeah. They mixed Um, that all up and it didn't mix. I mean, it's very possible that I'm going to watch Return to Me as an adult and be like, nope, this isn't great. Because the movie you thought I was talking about, Down to You, I did rewatch that as an adult. And I was like, this movie is not good. As much as I love Freddie Prince Jr., I I feel like the Christmas movie I just started that came out on Netflix like this week is going to be better than Down to You. Okay, well, we'll get into Return to Me and Down to You in the new year. But for now, Christmas from here on Christmas, out. yeah. Um, Anything else to say or does that beautifully fold into the next movie we're watching is? What is the next movie we're watching, Allison? The next movie we're watching is The Family Stone. If you are a person who loves the Family Stone, please 
send us an email or a voice memo detailing why. Because I need to understand. Because here's the thing. I, we have like talked about. We will play it on the episode. Yeah, we're going to play it on the episode. um, Because I feel like Family Stone is a very divisive movie. You either love it or you hate it. I actually am like the 1% of people that are like, it's okay. It's fine. Allison hates it. And, but I, I feel like. episode, but like every time around this year, I start to think like, I must like it because it seems like, and then I watch it and I get mad all over again. But I feel like we have to represent the love because people ride hard for this movie. And so if you are somebody who loves the family stone, let us know. You can email us I'm- at at rocketblog yeah. at gmail.com send us an email send us a voice memo and voice memo would be great because we'll play it on the episode because i think we need to represent the love side and it's not we don't want to make fun of you i gen- like people whose movie taste i respect love this movie and i need to understand what i'm missing i need to understand right rachel mcadams tell us maybe she hates rachel McAdams, do you want to come on this podcast we bring Rachel McAdams on this podcast. It's not to talk about the family stone. We should have had her for plenty of other girls. things. We oh, we could have her for game night. I'm not having her on here to talk about her worst movie. Is game night a rom com? Um, sure. Okay. Um, I get I mean, game night and tag confused. I've never seen tag. I love game. Night. <laughs> it's it's not good. I have nothing else about this movie. Then we might as well just say it again. You can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore podcast. No, hold underscore up underscore pod. Uh, on TikTok at hold up podcast. Come join us on the Patreon. We're doing the Lindsay Lohan Netflix rom-com next. Oh, and Carrie's going to come up with a Christmas game because last year we did a Chris, uh, like a Hallmark um, Christmas game that I'm pretty sure I failed miserably. So Carrie's going to write another one of those. It'll be fun. I think I'm going to make it Netflix specific. That's going to be great. I am going to have my apartment decorated by that time. Yeah, same. Um, yes. It's yeah, if you haven't joined the Patreon yet, do, because we have a lot of fun over there. We're having fun. Um, but maybe as a Christmas present, we'll release one of our Patreon episodes Curious to the general public. about it like we haven't already agreed that that's exactly what we're doing. I have to put together our Patreon Christmas card. Last year it was good. It was good last year. You gotta whip out that Canva account. Okay. Yeah, join us. You get a Christmas card from us if you join the a digital Christmas card from us if you join the Patreon. That's great. I'm sorry, that's worth the five dollars a month in itself, but then you also get bonus episodes. Uh thank you so much. We love you all. Bye. Bye.